Hey, what's going on, everybody? What you're about to see is a really phenomenal interview with AJ Tucci. Really great conversation. But we had a little technical difficulties before we started filming some audio issues. And in the crux of the audio issues, I got to be honest, I forgot to press record for the first 10 minutes of the video. So the first 10 minutes of video have no video, but there is audio. And then after the first 10 minutes, the rest of the, the interview has full uh, video and audio connected. So I apologize, but I hope it doesn't interfere with your viewing. Just put it on in the background, take a listen, or close your eyes and listen, and hope you enjoy it. Phenomenal one you don't want to miss out on. Also, as a reminder, the Jacob Restituto tickets for the concert I'm putting on October 7th in New York are available. Consider go checking them out. It means so much to me to see you there, either online or in person. Check them out, link down below. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the channel. My name is Jacob Restituto, and I'm a musician from Northport, New York, and today we have the absolute pleasure of having AJ Tucci here on the channel. New York, LA, collabing on a on a chat today. So I appreciate you, AJ. Take it. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat, man. Yeah, you're very welcome, Jacob. Actually, uh, I grew up in Boston, so ah. East Coast connection via the two the the two coasts. For real, but we hate your guts in sports, bro. Oh, I know it's it's cute. Y'all in the twenty six <laughs> World World Series. Uh, well, it's it depends. I guess it depends on what sport we're talking, because like. As a Jets fan, we hate the Patriots, but and I mean, same Boston and, and Yankees, like the the Red Sox and Yankees, or the Red Sox, right? How you guys? Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, in the Bronx, in the Bronx. Yeah, for real, man. That's too funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I, I remember being little, watching all those like Red Sox games. Oh man. Oh yeah, just hating the Yankees. A hundred percent, bro. Same thing about the yeah. Boston teams. Oh, that's too funny. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. You're not in Boston anymore, so we don't have to worry about the. the tension anymore so <laughs> no tension oh man good stuff well thank you very much for taking the time for people that aren't familiar with you can you give a little backstory on who you are and, and your your time in the music industry take it as far back sure. as you'd like it and, and tell your story yeah i mean i guess uh music's been a thing my whole life since like grade school playing playing instruments violin cello things like that drums when i was a little bit older and then um i guess things became more serious things definitely became more serious when i moved to la and i decided i want to pursue like engineering and production um i was doing things in garage band when i was in boston with like kids at the high school and college i was going to so that's kind of when the production journey actually started but professionally it started when i moved to la went to school at musicians institute um, took their course, had an internship with the studio after that internship turned to a part-time engineering position, part-time engineering turned into a full-time engineering position, started working for myself more after that. And yeah, I've been basically super blessed and fortunate to have been in beautiful studios for the past 10 years, my home studio that I've been incorporating and developing. Um, yeah, and meeting a lot of great people along the way. That's kind of the, one of the best parts, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, meeting people along the way is such a fun part, man. Like, the music industry isn't anything without, you know, the cool people you get to meet in it, for sure, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, it takes a whole village. It takes a whole village. Yeah. And for people who don't understand that, it's like, oh, how many people does it take to make this three-minute song? It's like, well, it takes a lot, you know? It's uh, it's an idea that... You know, I, I, I can make a great song by myself. You can make a great song by yourself. But, like, we would never make the song that together we would make unless we were together. Sure. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, man. Yeah. So a little bit of context on that. 
Um, what's the timeline of you, you know, moving from Boston to LA to all those steps that you had mentioned? It, was it a, you know, a year each? Was it 10 years? Was it five years? What does that look like? Yeah. So I moved out it was 2013. It was like spring 2013. I want to say it was like March or April. School was six months and they had an option for like a three month, uh, master program or advanced program in either live sound or like studio work. And I already had an internship at that point and I was already like in the studio. So I was like, I'm not going to go back to school. I'm, this is where I want to be. So basically when that, when they let me in the door, I never left. Hmm. Essentially the internship program is probably like six to nine months. The assistant position was probably closer to two years. Learned a lot from a lot of the engineers on staff at that time. That was, that was such a great experience. And then so full-time engineering after that for the last couple of years get blurry because of the pandemic sure. and everything but it's like yeah like six seven years yeah and i saw that yeah. you were with a major label for a while and then I, during the pandemic you left major label and, and started working on yourself correct correct yeah so 2020 happened uh basically a lot of contracts were terminated and i was fortunate enough to be working independently freelance with an artist through 2020 through 2021 and that was great because when everyone basically was locked inside i was kind of spoiled i was going to malibu almost every day at a beautiful scene a beautiful studio and it was kind of forgot what was happening outside which typically happens you know when you're in a session but when the world seemed very unrecognizable it was a good escape mm -hmm. great escape for sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, funny enough, I'm actually back with the major. I've been back since like summer 2021, then wrapped up with another independent gig also. So I've been juggling so those. Two how guys. does that work? Can you can you elaborate on that? Like, so as an engineer or producer, how are you? How do they sign you? Like, how does a major label sign you? Or how do you contract with them? Uh, it's so it's a typical like an employment agreement. Okay. It's not like anything up front or anything. It's just, you know, the sessions you work, the sessions you get paid for. So essentially they have um, producers works. or engineers on staff then essentially. Yeah. So the label has producers that are signed and it's the same thing with engineers, but you're not signed. It's like you're one of their house engineers, if you will. You show up to XYZ studio. This person works at X studio. This person works at Y. If you go to Z, you'll see this guy. Hmm. And we had, uh, before the pandemic, we had a staff of maybe like 15 or so. And there was a weird transition where the uh, label that I was working with, there was a transition with ownership. So I'm not at the same label, but it's kind of run with a different uh, different management, if mm -hmm. you will. So now we have a staff maybe that's closer to like eight, eight or ten. And then does that major label have their own, do they have their own studio that like their artists record at or, or do they like sub out studios essentially? So the tr the traditional method was always, you know, go to the commercial studio, have your session there, yada, yada. And then I don't know when exactly the, the shift happened, but the shift from commercial studios to label studios happened. And now a lot of these labels have their own studio. Oh, commercial studio would be like Abbey Road Studio versus, say, like exactly. Columbia, Record Warner Plan. Brothers, Atlantic, anything like that. Right. Interesting, right, right, right. interesting. So yeah, 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 Atlantic has a studio in Hollywood. Atlantic has a studio in New York. Um, I'm sure other labels adapt that same business yeah, model. Yeah. It kind of makes sense to keep a uh, overhead down. If you just sure. instead of renting renting a room per the day or per the month, you're just owning a facility essentially. 
Yeah, it's super interesting, actually. So what's cool about that is for people that are interested in, be in following that similar path of being an engineer or producer, uh, it's, it's cool that there are so many different paths. You can work independently. You can actually work either via employment or be by being signed to a label. There's um, not that just these cookie cutter uh, options. Um, you could do both, you know, like you are, which is a really, it, it's kind of it opens the, uh, I don't think a lot of people think that you can get signed or contracted by these, these major labels as an engineer. Like it's not something that automatically pops into your mind. Everybody just thinks it's DIY, you know, doing it yourself the whole time. Um, but it's kind of cool that you can almost to some degree have the stability of a job, a nine to five job while doing what you love inside the music industry. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess the the big perk of uh, those label gigs is like you're kind of fishing in stockpiles. <laughs> so they they are providing the clientele. You're just providing the service. Yeah. And when you're freelancing and you're an independent contractor, which um, I highly push everyone in the field to kind of like take that route. If you're not like hustling for your own self, you know closed mouths don't get fed if you're not asking or looking for work you're not going to get all the work that you could be receiving or for getting. sure man so so yeah it, it, it was great and i'm the 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 great part of the label gig is that like the connections you make in those sessions through the label they don't always end there they mm -hmm. typically don't you know if you're good at what you do those people want to work with you again yeah. So if that means if it's inside the label through the same agreement, cool. If it means like, oh, we're going to New York next week, yeah. come with. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. And it leads back to the relation the, the, the beginning of this conversation. I don't remember if we were talking about it before or after we started filming, but the relationships are everything, man. Like the people you meet along the journey are, are the whole thing. So I noticed that you do a lot of um, two things, mainly two things on your, your, your uh, credits list, I guess we'll call it. It's either engineering or vocal engineering. And I'd love to hear uh, if you explain personally the difference between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you're in that engineer seat, you always have to keep in mind uh, you are assisting a process. You are assisting the client through their creative process. It's their song at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Um, and you're there to try to reflect that image that they have in their head through the speakers you know so it's a selfless act um and that's kind of how i always approach it i always try to like remove myself from the equation when engineering and just like do the do the gig as efficiently as possible make things sound great at the end of the night um get things edited as much as possible put a nice rough mix on it um and then the vocal production thing is like a little bit more of a trust between you and the client where they're looking for feedback maybe or you have feedback you're hearing something different oh hey that note's flat right there you know watch your vowel at this moment mm. um you know make it a little more bouncy watch your swing um and all that is just uh that's time on the mat years in the chair kind of thing and really what it is it's uh it's building that trust with the person on the mic you know so it's it's sessions an hour spent together with a, with a client really yeah i'd love to hear your perspective on how much of a difference that makes having that personal relationship in the sense of like what are some things i mean you mentioned a couple of them right there but like what are some things you personally noticed like you would you would talk about in the sense of you mentioned vowel placement or you know what are those things that you're looking for in an, to improve an artist's performance when recording 
Oh, it's uh, every day, every session is always going to be a little different. Sure. So if you, if you go in with that like template mindset of what a good record sounds like to you, you, you might be, you might be in the right direction 80% of the time. And then that 20% of the time you might be banging your head against the wall. So always try to keep an open mind when the day starts, you know, my pro tool sessions and the day start look very, um, I just try to like keep the scope wide. And mm-hmm. then as the day goes on, I start to narrow down on what the, the tone or vibe of the record is starting to feel like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, 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 so I try to, like I said, I try to remove myself a lot from the equation and when I'm recording, obviously I want to make sure I'm getting a good level. My compressor's hitting nice. The, the, uh, the game structure is right. And then basically I'll start to just listen to that person. Once I feel comfortable with that engineering step. And if anything hits me where I'm like, Oh, that feels a little weird. I might run another take or we're definitely going to run another take, but the next take we'll listen again at that little moment. I might not even say anything, but Mm. two takes go by. I'm not hearing a change in that moment. I'll be like, Hey, this next take, can we try this maybe this way? And then let's see how that reacts. And then I'm kind of a path of least resistance kind of guy. If it's not working, it's probably not meant to be. If you're working too hard at it, you're probably doing something that maybe you don't need to do Hmm. where I'm at. And then sometimes you do have to put the elbow grease in, don't get me wrong, where it's like, oh, man, that note's flat. You got to hit that note for me. And we we stand in the note. So I'm curious about that, actually. So so how how much of it is um, you – in, in a session like that is is you you tuning somebody versus like live uh like hey hit that note kind of thing and how much of it does does that make a difference we saw we're getting a little geeky now because like as an artist and produce like somebody that produces my own music i'm like i want to i want to learn bro <laughs> here i am no it's cool it's cool yeah I, I i love talking shop um yeah for real it's it's funny we can we can do so much in post these days we really can Melodyne, super powerful, vocal line, things like that, super powerful. Um, me personally, I always, you, you got to think energy first. And if someone's just not tight with a performance, it's you can do all you want afterwards. But if it's just not tight, it's not going to be tight afterwards. You're kind of. You're polishing a turd is the <laughs> typical saying is the typical saying, yeah. you know, and fortunately it's like, I, I would never say like I'm working with like turd clients, yeah. but it's like, you know, you know what potential is there and we're, we're really looking to make those incremental improvements. Mm-hmm. It's not like this one big, huge thing. That's all of a sudden going to make the record fucking pop. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for cussing, hey, but, you, um, man, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it's really interesting that you said that. The one thing really stuck out is the fact that you said that, you know, the thing you're really looking for is the, the correct energy for the song. Because um, you listen to some songs, actually, and some aren't tuned perfectly, but they have the proper energy, and and you don't care, necessarily. Or if they were tuned properly, like you take a song like Mr. Right Side, right? Like classic hit, every time anybody it comes on, people freak out, right? Like, that's right, right. not... What? What was it? Great record. Hey, for, for real. I mean, rightfully so, right? But, like, that's not perfectly in tune. And if it was, it wouldn't feel right. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think it, um, 
we're talking about like a specific or a specific tuning of vocals. Sure. Like uh, someone's pitch. Oh, a hundred percent. There's so, so many instances throughout music history or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, the vocal is like the human element of the song. You tune guitar strings, you tune mm. a piano, even tune drums, you know, toms and everything. They're all kind of like tuned. And then you're not up until like auto tune, you know, you weren't tuning the microphone per se. So you look at like, oh my God, I think Bob Dylan's first example, like attitude vocals, um, Trent Reznor, not tuned vocals, hmm. great records. Um, uh, Bradley from Sublime, not super in tune. Misfits, not super in tune. Tom Petty, not super in tune. All, yeah, so it's it's genre specific for sure. But also, yeah, that I is think... kind of interesting. A lot of those were in that rock raw genre kind of thing. That is super interesting. But I continue. Uh, no, no, I, it's it's definitely that genre thing where it's like, oh, it, it, we're not looking to be perfect. Uh-huh. Contemporary where we're at right now, I do feel like the ear has adjusted to things that sound more perfect. Mm-hmm. And if it sounds out of tune, it better be for a good reason mm. where we're at right now, you know? Yeah, it, and it's super interesting, man. Like one of my things, one of my biggest cruxes with the music industry at the moment is that we like claim things are live when they're not actually live anymore. Like it'll be so-and-so pop artist live at Abbey road. And it's like, there's no way, like you could totally tell, like as somebody that like pitches vocals and knows what like things sound like, you can tell when something's been pitched. Cause it's perfect. It's perfect. You know? And right. like, and it's like that as an artist bothers me because when I was growing up, you know, before doing all this stuff, I, like, man, I put an, hours into working my voice right now to, and then to hear these artists be like they're perfect be like i'll never be that good you know what i mean but then i found out like years later like neither are they you know and i was like so no. furious i'm like here i was trying to hit this standard and like they're not even at that standard you know it's a false standard so but it's interesting how we're, we're trained to, to hear that so if you, the listener doesn't hear that they're almost like oh what's up with this singer kind of thing you know it doesn't feel right you know like it's just it, interesting. It doesn't feel finished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah, I. It's just. Uh, I mean, the like, it's the tools we have available to us right mm-hmm. now. It's like even the best singers in the world use auto tune or melodyne and things like that. And I just think that's that's the contemporary record. It's the like vocal production. Uh, Anthony Kiedis' new Red Hot Chili Pepper album, the whole album done to tape, except for Anthony's vocals. Hmm. So that's just where we're at with how how we consume records, I feel, is like everything. The band has been playing together for 30, 30 plus years. That band's going to be tight. We can do things in tape a little bit in post, but like other like the performance needs to be there if you're yeah. going to be doing it to tape. Yeah. So the band got it down. We need to get Anthony's vocals right. Let's do takes. We'll comp it in Pro Tools. You know, we'll, we'll make it we'll make it fit the vibe. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, you can look at his vocals through the years, and this is, isn't something, obviously, I was examining through the years, but taking a step back over, like, the past year or so, I'm like, damn, his, you listen to a Red Hot Chili Pepper album over the course of decades, you're like, whoa, this is how far vocal production has gone. Just how, like, he, he sounds over the course of his career. Mm. Like a great... uh scientific experiment with yeah i mean 100 percent. after this i have an hour drive dude everything we've referenced i'm gonna go listen back to all this stuff and just try to like dissect it man it's so interesting but for sure like blood sugar sex magic stadium arcadium and this most recent one those would be like 
yeah three little quick little snippets to listen to you'd be like whoa that sounds different now <laughs> yeah and it, to some degree almost this conversation kind of almost reminds me of like when stereo first came out like you listen to like beatles albums before or any album actually like in that in that area the time frame before stereo came out and then when stereo came out like they didn't know what to do with it, so they like overcompensated, and the dr- the whole entire drum kit is in the right ear, and the entire vocal is in the left ear, and the drums in the I mean the the guitars in the center. It's like, well, I it sounds for me as like now it's miserable to listen to. Because I'm like, what is going on? It, it's you know? jarring. It is super jarring. But like, it's, it's almost very similar. Where it's like we have these new tools now, and we're like almost going like balls to the wall with it, and then we'll probably find. The, the balance later you know i mean oh what is that 70 wow. years since stereo came out you know so it, yeah, we're, and we're comes, only yeah. what maybe 20 since like actual like br- vocal production as we know it today is available yeah like pr- i know pro tools is like early thousands i know butch big was using it on that first nirvana album and that i mean i'm sure it was used before then too but like that's kind of the birth of the yeah. digital thing yeah. yeah, it's 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 just interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see, because to some degree, I almost feel like we had that serious, like, very bubblegum pop error where everything was super perfect. Even strings, we're like, let's use fake strings, synthesize strings instead, right? It wasn't even like real strings anymore. Like, and I feel like we we that's that like you know balls to the wall extreme, and then we've kind of slowly starting to pull away from it to some degree. It's also really interesting to see how pop music is kind of shifting from bubblegum pop to like now this, like which I love the fact that we're shifting now a little bit more towards like this pop punk early 2000s kind of vibe. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm here for it, bro. Cause I'm like, I'm ready to rock again. That was my favorite genre. Um, yeah. It's the, the trend is timeless. That just proves it's timeless. Like it's been like 20 ish years, not even. And uh, it's back. Uh, I love I'm, like, I love it. It's slow. It's and it's like slowly coming back. Like I, I, I hate it or love it. Like I feel like the Machine Gun Kelly started that kind of genre. Like you know, and then but like even the new Olivia Rodrigo album like has that early two thousands vibe. You know, the Paramore kind of vibe and stuff. Like it's becoming mm-hmm. popular. And I'm like totally here for it, man. It's so sick. But even it's it, super dope. It, sorry, continue. Go for it. No, no, I was just gonna say it's super dope. It just reminds me of youth for early, early thousand vibes for sure. But now this is a cool scientific experiment, as you'd say, like looking at that music, you know, Boys Like Girls or, um, you know, all those bands back then, um, The Killers or anything like that, even though The Killers are still around, like that pop punk rock genre compared to that same now pop genre today, you see, you could see the tremendous uh, advancements in production that we have now. Like the same oh. genre, but it's like way more crisp. Yeah, just the the fidelity of everything has just gone up, and uh, yeah, it's things are just hitting harder. I know the drums are going to be more tight, the vocals are going to be more crispy. You know, and we're probably using some eight oh eight now, <laughs> so it's it's the the bass is kicking. Yeah, yeah. What do you look for in, in, in engineering and, and production, like to make like a to advance you know your sound like what are things that you're like okay this is going to bring the track to the next level uh it's a layer thing i guess for me you know the approach is always changing every record's a little different but 
the recent approach has been what kind of cool layers can we layer this thing up with whether it be like a crunchy distorted thing that we're going to tuck in there or this crazy verb splash on that word or um, we're going to double the bass with a super compressed thing and mm. that's going to make it feel a little bit bigger um you know try to think like filling the spectrum and you know, let the let the sounds hit your ears and spirit as honestly as possible and what needs to be what needs to get done from there you know if the bass is too much how do we how do we tame the bass while still keeping the thump how do we get the drums hitting super hard without losing the bounce and the the vocals get tucked in there just right oh man i'm getting a headache thinking of all these things because it's like it's like the never-ending goal of like wow this sounds cool but this could be a little tighter and like how in the world do i do that kind of thing you know it's a constant it's like constant whack-a-mole battle you know a hundred percent a hundred percent it's always kind of going yourself but what if yeah and then you do but it what if and then there's a new what if like it's like oh the bass is too too uh too fat let's let's pull it in a little brighten it up but then it's like, oh, now, you know, the drums that sound thin. Like, it's just that new whack-a-mole pops up a new problem. <laughs> you just constantly... A hundred percent. Especially in the mix phase, you can be chasing your own tail a lot. Mm. One thing is always going to begate another. You know, you mm. turn that hi-hat down, all of a sudden your vocal feels like it's on top. Mm-hmm. You turn that, that kick drum down, all of a sudden your bass feels like it's too loud. <laughs> you know, you turn that guitar up, all of a sudden it's like, where's the vocal? And then it's just, oh, it's a man. constant it's a constant balance of <laughs> the the distribution of powers in a mix yeah that's a great reference uh, like great way to phrase it absolutely oh yeah. man that's too funny what what do you like in these days like what kind of music are you you know really who do you think is making this really good music and and why i'm kind of cycled through a like an indie rock kind of thing right now i've been listening to pd for like what feels like almost a year that he put on an album last year. It was called uh, Lean Into Life. Um, yeah, super indie rock. It He even mentions it in one of his songs. It's like, it's the, the feeling of youth. And he's like probably 30-something, but he just kind of like captured this little, this little motion that just feels great to me. It's like super organic, with synthesizers, super catchy melodies and songs. It's, uh, it's lighthearted, but it's not, um, it's good. It's just good music to me. It's just very lighthearted. It's easy listening. Hmm. Yeah. In your perspective, what do you find is uh, makes it like a good song? Like if you had a if you had a like retrospectively or introspectively look, be like, this is a good song because because it just hits you. I mean, what I think is a good song is going to be different than what you think. Yeah, that's and, you know, it just it just it's just the connection that connection you feel to that story to that to that guitar lick to that bass line just to the mm-hmm. sonics what you're what's hitting your ears it's like oh he he's making a record he's he's telling me a story he's selling me this idea mm-hmm. you know yeah and like I, I definitely my relationship towards consumption of music has changed over the past 10 years just because being around so much music typically it's like my favorite songs these days are the songs no one's heard of mm-hmm. or no one's like heard yet Maybe it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's coming out next month. Oh, that's my favorite song right now. My favorite song is always the next one. Oh, the next that's one so fascinating. That's my yeah. like, next favorite song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, how do we make this the next best thing? Yeah. Like, to like, to some know? degree, you're hearing music way before it comes out. 
So, you know, it could be your favorite song for three, four months before anybody else has heard it. And by the time everybody else yeah. has heard it and it's tur- it's now top of the charts, you're like, yo, know, this song's nine months old, bro. I'm done with it kind of thing. Oh, 100%. 100%. My favorite music to listen to is unreleased music. And then once it's out, it's like, oh, that's for them now. Uh-huh. That's for them now. Sure. I definitely, I definitely catch myself like bumping stuff I've worked on because just the memories attached to some of those mm. days, nights long nights early mornings whatever it was you know the memories attached to those sessions when you worked on that you know the the conversation that you had that day or you know that effect you did and that song is like oh that was cool that was different you know like that is such a great way to um to phrase that because i i don't i don't think people totally like i i I totally relate to that um and i don't think people totally under like non-musicians totally understand that because you know, people wouldn't judge a chef for eating their own food, right? But as soon as you're like a musician and now you're listening to your own music, they're like, you know, this narcissist, like, you know, all he cares about is, and it's like, hold on a sec, like, why can a chef, you know, why can a photographer have their ba- their their uh, photo as their background on their phone? But like, why can't I bump my own music kind of thing? You know what I mean? But it's, that's a phenomenal way to put it. The memories attached to it. You're proud of it. 100% reminiscing yeah. how you got that sound the conversation you had while writing the song that is such a phenomenal um way to, to 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 put that exactly that's exactly how you feel yeah it's so funny how like we get a bad rap if we <laughs> there if we play our own song but there are those people who overplay their own stuff well like, all right well, yeah maybe yeah. yeah there's always the exception yeah but uh but yeah it's like i worked on that song and like I'm, we're making music that I'd, I'd rather hear the music that we're making than the music someone else makes. Uh-huh. Typically, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's why we're making it. It's like, mm. let's make something that's not just like we're going to enjoy, but hopefully a lot of people yeah. enjoy. And it's almost your own personal nostalgia. You know, like, you know how like music is one of those things that brings you back to a time and place? Well, like, why? Like, your own music's doing that probably that much more. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. When like when you hear a song, it might take you you know five listens to get the lyrics. When you're part of making a song, yeah. you know all the lyrics before the night's over. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're you're singing it back while it's on playback, and I'm editing, and like I'm singing. I I know what lines coming next. You know, mm. it's just it's ingrained in you that much more. It's mm-hmm. like it's uh it's part of the alchemy. You know, you you start every session with like. Unless you're doing like a rewrite or something, you start every session with a blank slate, mm-hmm. with an idea. And then the day or night turns into how do we make this idea, this thing we're all hearing or the client's hearing, how do we make this idea real? Mm-hmm. How do we get this idea to come through the speakers mm-hmm. that makes it feel captivating and that that makes it feel like it's the next thing that people need to hear? Yeah, totally, man. It's so interesting. Super techie questions for you now. Talking okay. vocal engineering and just engineering in general. Um, if for for the people that are listening and want to improve their mixes, improve you know the quality, the perceived quality, I guess we'll say not 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 necessarily songwriting or anything like that, but the quality of the mix, right? What are three things that you noticed vocally, um, in the engineering process or in the recording process, whatever you decide to talk on, that can make a big difference in the quality of sound, or um, quality as in like 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 professionalism, if you want to use that term, right? For sure, for sure. There's a lot that goes into the editing process. And that's going to be genre specific too. You know, you, you'll notice the indie rock mm-hmm. records have less editing going on than pop records. 
um a lot that goes into the editing editing process a lot that goes into the layering process also if you're looking to make a pop record you better be willing to stack damn near all your vocals at least at least two times probably more um let's elaborate on that a little bit because i think that that that's a really interesting misconception to some degree that most people don't don't realize is happening um i'd love to hear you explaining that for people that that might not be familiar with that with stacking vocals yeah especially particularly in pop records yeah yeah um so you know i see a lot of sessions where it's just like i'm a big session hygiene freak when i open my pro tool session <laughs> it kind of comes from my background because being on a team of 12 guys mm, mm. with with a growing list of writers artists producers I might start a session that my buddy might need to open six months from now. Yeah. So when he opens it, I want him to have a decent understanding of what the hell's going on. Yeah. It's not so, track one through 64 title track one through 64. Exactly. It's not audio one <laughs> yeah. dupe. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Obviously things get out of hand sometimes yeah, sure, when, you're, sure, sure. when things are, when things are going on, but set, <laughs> so I would preach session cleanliness to any like, new young engineer yeah. or whatever session cleanliness and oh, then it's a nightmare after the fact if you don't you try to bounce oh, stems yeah. and you, you yourself have to be like oh what is this man? oh you know oh it's 100%. a nightmare yeah a if nightmare. you're the guy who recorded it and like you don't know where your lead vocal is where we're starting off on the wrong foot you know <laughs> and then nightmare. if i'm opening it i'm definitely not going to know where your lead vocal is i'm going to try my best to be like oh that one sounds the strongest or whatever mm -hmm. that's yeah oh my that's gosh the lead vocal yeah. now yeah like, yeah <laughs> you know sure. So, first and foremost, session cleanliness. If something's on a lead track, it should be the lead vocal. You know, there's only one of those. That's why it's called the lead. And then from there, you know, you might have an ad lib track. That's kind of like its own thing. That's kind of like a lead. Um, and then from there, you're kind of stacking and supplementing vocals. So when when I when I say stack, the first thing that comes to mind is like a double of the lead vocal which is kind of just like it is what it sounds like it's like you try to duplicate that performance as close as possible and then that gives that lead vocal support um i think of recording harmonies so we record oh what note are we doing here it's the third cool let's get this third harmony all right let's let's get that same harmony again you know, let's do it two more times. So we have that harmony note recorded four times that we're going to we're going to get it sounding like one vocal. And then let's get the fifth. All right. Beatles three part harmony. Where's that like flat seven or whatever it is, whatever it is. So all that gets recorded multiple times, usually at least twice. Most times these days is four times. And then, oh, we got to We have this cool vocal choir pad idea with these oohs and these ahs. Let's get these oohs and ahs. Same thing. It's like, all right, we're recording this four times. It's all going to get edited really tight together, make it feel like one ooh and ah, so on and so forth. And then, uh, oh, gang vocals. All right, new bus for these gang vocals. Let's all get on the mic. Let's turn the mic to Omni. Hey, I hear you too much of this guy. You need to face the other way, so on and so forth. So there's there's so much. There's a lot of recording when you're, especially with like a contemporary pop sounding vocal production. It's a lot of vocals that might get bounced down in the stems that will be affected as a group at the end of the day. 
but um it's it's a lot of recording a lot of recording it's it could be hours at least two hours just recording backgrounds that's why it's like always a good time to take a break after you get the lead edit the lead up real nice and then all right let's stack to this lead vocal and see what we can see we can figure out now like what's the next step of this yeah that's super interesting so going even farther in depth you're saying typically if we hear you know a a third harmony for those that are are not familiar we're talking third harmony meaning the third interval an interval of a third not like a number three interval of a third harmony um which would be like do and me right so hearing that third harmony left ear right you're saying in that left ear third harmony where there's four vocals being stacked kind of making it to sound like it's one yeah yeah however you want to obviously typically typically yeah there's no hard fast rules any of this you know is uh but you're not saying like it's it's one here one here one here and one here you're saying it's all that that one vocal you're hearing is typically four layer like that that's what you mean by laying correct correct yeah and that goes into preference also um me personally i'm like this is super nerdy but i'm i'm a fan of proponent of uh left right center kind of for everything if i want it in the left channel i'm going to pan it hard left if i want it in the right channel i'm going to pan it hard right if it's in the middle it's in the middle and then the things that i have on the side i might use stereo imaging from there so typically when i do stacks if it's like a harmony thing i'll pan two vocals hard left two vocals hard right so i have this even distribution between the two speakers and then they might be going to their own bus and in their bus i might bring them closer to the middle i might like you said i might bring them all to one side i might put hella reverb on them so they feel ghostly i might make them super dark so they feel spooky or so on and so forth it's so wild man all the different things that people don't realize go into making that one we were just talked vo- background vocals right one harmony we were talking about on that one, one harmony, harmony all the different things you were talking about man it's absurd now yeah it's it's that what if thing it's uh, just like let's yeah. dig deeper let's yeah. dig deeper yeah so now with the alignment of those vocals once you start i would love to hear your 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 tips on um aligning the vocals you have now all these stacks what are you doing to align them uh vocal line is probably gonna be your best friend yeah vocal line does a great job melodyne does a great job super powerful People think Melodyne, they think tuning vocals right away, but also, there's also timing in Melodyne, which is really user-friendly. Probably definitely easier and better to use in Pro Tools. And then Melodyne has a different levels where I think there's one that is just tuning, and then there's like you can keep buying the next package, and at a certain package, you can actually let, like see all your vocals in there, correct? And then, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Can... It's the... It's the highest package. Yeah. I, I want to say studio yeah. editor and uh, yeah, you can tune like essentially multiple tracks at once, yeah. kind of kind of deal. Um, vocal line is going to give you mostly your timing uh, benefits. There is some tuning now within vocal line, which is really convenient too. Instead of having melodyne every track, if it's just a double, you can be like melodyne yeah. the lead, and then this vocal line is also going to do the pitch and the melodyne timing. Melodyne is lead. rather inconvenient in the fact that you have to print everything that you use, essentially, or you leave well, it running the whole yeah. time. But it's no yeah, different no. than recording the tape. <laughs> you had to print every print everything you were doing back then. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's like going back to just like, I feel like the engineering gig is doing a lot of things that are going to keep you out of out of trouble. So yeah, you're going to commit that melodyne. But if you duplicate your playlist before you get rid of your 
source vocal, your source vocal is going to be there in the playlist anyway. Mm -hmm. So you can always go back to it. Just leaving that uh, insurance for yourself where you can Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I'm not worried about committing this because I have the source right here in this playlist or I have the source right here. uh, Duplicating your playlist. So in Pro Tools, um, basically, like you have the track you're looking at and then with on that same track, you can uh, I think logic, they call it the same thing. It's like playlisting. So like on that same track, you can see all the tracks that were either recorded on that track or playlisted on that track. So like I'm looking at a track, it's like, oh, I want to make this uh, vocal line or this melodyne. Those two things are destructive. So you're going to lose the audio that you're looking at. But if you playlist it, you're basically you just duplicate the audio so it exists on the same track, but you're not looking at it. And mm-hmm. if you need to look at it, you open up the track, you see the or source Very audio. Interesting. You can use the source audio in replacement of the Melodyne audio. I learned something maybe new it's today. Just, maybe it's just that word, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, mm. the whole thing. You know, you can comp in between the two. Mm. Very interesting. That's actually pretty cool. I yeah. got to look into that. I'm a Logic user, so I got to look into that. But that's... You, I know Logic has it. I think Ableton has it now. I think it's one of the newer features. That's pretty that's wild. That's been actually. my most... Yeah, some of my most recent DAW adventure has been trying to learn some Ableton. Ableton? Interesting. Yeah. I was yeah. actually thinking today about Ableton Live in the sense of like live performance and you know, just what it what it does with like looping and stuff and all those different things. Who knows? It was it was just it was I was on a run. I was like just kinda of going down a rabbit hole of live performance ideas with Ableton Live. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's super, with the trigger and everything. If you're yeah. going to be up there, like triggering scenes, I know it works pretty smooth. I know a lot of people are in Ableton, pro, Ableton programming shows. Um, yeah, it seems to be kind of like that standard. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely the industry standard. There's a lot of interesting things, with, especially with like looping and stuff, where like you start looping and then you go out of time. It like it almost uh, um, quantizes it for you, so that you're not, which is which is interesting kind of idea, just you know to mess around with, but. Who knows? It's a whole, it's yeah, a whole it's, rabbit hole that you start running down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it takes so long to feel proficient, for me mm. at least, in one die, and then it's like feeling like you're a beginner again in something else. It's a good feeling. It's yeah. good to feel like you're a beginner, I feel, because it just means, like, you're learning, and it's always good to be Well, learning. that goes back to the very first thing you and I said even before we even started recording, where I said, hey, actually, let's hold this for the, the, the filming, because we were, uh, you said, like, always stay like a, a student you said always be learning and i was like that's a phenomenal tip and that's I actually wanted to repeat that now is you know always be trying to find something new always be trying to learn something and as an artist that's why i like to release so much music because every track that i record i'm learning something different like whether i'm recording a cello on this track or i'm recording a saxophone on this track that first track might not have a saxophone or likely wouldn't right so then i would never have learned to do that saxophone had i not started doing a new track like everything you do is slightly different every track is different and if you stick on one track for a year and a half like you're only going to learn so much and improve by so much confined to that one track yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and kudos to you for sharing the music that you're making Mm. i definitely have i I like to call it like songs collecting hard drive dust on my hard drive (laughs) where it's like how is this not out like how is or songs that have been out that have been taken down and it's just a whole roller coaster of emotions. Sure. It's just like I just I just want people to hear the stuff that we make. Yeah. You know? And um I, there's been successful artists with that business motto. Mm. So it, it seems like the right thing to do. I've always heard like catalog is king or content is king. Mm. So it's not just like the one song, it's the catalog, it's the body of work you're creating. 
catalog is king. To... That's really interesting. I've I've heard content is king, but catalog is king is very interesting. Um, I've heard content is king and quality is queen. I think. Ooh. Um, it, it was either that or consistency is queen. I don't remember which one. I think it was quality because they I like they, both. they pair. Yeah. Right. So content is king and quality is queen, but quality comes with con- uh, quantity. Yeah. So the more yeah, you do it, like, the the better you get. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It's not it's a, just that one song. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a super super strong perspective for artists to hear that are you know just beginning or at any stage, right? But that we put at least in myself, I put so much pressure on every song when I first started. I was like, this is a song that's going to change my career, change my life, and it was so paralyzing to some degree because I was like, it has to be perfect. And if it wasn't, like, I was so stressed, right? So now, but now, like, I take that pressure off because, like you said, it's the catalog. And, like, one bad song, 10 bad songs, 20 bad songs, you know, how many times has an artist put out a record of 15 songs? And they suck. But they're still a top 10 artist, you know what I mean? Like, how many times has, like, these huge artists released terrible albums and they're still around? Because it's the catalog that really matters, not just the specific song, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you might hear an artist venture off into something that is like a passion thing for them yeah where it's like the albums or projects before they might have been more commercial friendly or consumer friendly yeah you know and then it's like oh well what happened to that sound that i fell in love with it's like oh that was a whole point of that project it's for you to fall in love with me now i want you to hear Ah, what you know is like interesting yeah sure well that's very interesting yeah come along capturing the, the net and then coming along for the journey for whoever sticks around hundred percent i mean major labels know what they're doing <sighs> i mean anyone like they yeah there there's plans oh, so interesting there's plans yeah, yeah. it's also um i want to say not that i think that that concept applies not only for artists but even for people in the engineering and producing field as well like don't feel that every single track has to, like you can release bad mixes quote unquote and it's like don't put all this pressure on yourself to make the perfect mix because you like you said it's the it's the the consistency of catalog that really defines you look at some of these huge huge people in the industry that have all these like grammys and all these you know nominations and stuff and that's only a handful of the tracks that they've worked on you see like some of these top tier producers engineers you know mastering artists they do thousands of tracks and maybe 15 of the 5,000 they've done, it has the nominations, and now they're regarded as some of the top in the industry. But that means that there's 4,985 that weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's But we don't see that. We I, I love this quote, and uh, it says um, that people don't remember your you, people don't remember your at-bats, they only remember your home runs. Yeah, that that's uh, that's great. Yeah, that's 100% true. It's uh, it's definitely not have you, what have you done for me lately? Or what not have, oh, Boy, it's definitely not what have you done for me. It's what have you done for me lately. Mm. And like lately, have you hit a home run? Yeah. You know, so it's like when the iron's hot in this industry, definitely you want to keep, you want to, you want to strike. Yeah. You know, like if your name is in people's mouths, it's like you want to be doing great work. You want to be consistent, con- mm-hmm. consistent and yeah, put out great quality stuff. Yeah. It's, it's super, super interesting, man. Um, I had a question for you related to this whole topic, and it totally escaped my mind. Um, oh shoot, what was it? we were talking about uh, quality of content and releasing content. 
I actually have no idea what I was going to say. Oh, it was something for engineers in this world. Oh, with mixing, like like if you're signing off on a mix that you weren't super happy with. Or yeah, whatever. we take all this pressure. I think yeah. that's kind of like the last place we were. But but yeah, I I mean, it's kind of you got to know what you're bringing to the table, and what might not be perfect for you is perfect for the artist's vision or client's vision. Oh yeah. And then it's like, well, it goes back to like, this is not my record. If I'm mixing this record, my job is to balance it out and make it as exciting as possible to the clients. Either. Yeah. I got to, I got to reflect that image that this person's seeing in their head through, got to try to reflect it coming through the speakers. Practical tip for the listener. When you disagree, how do you respectfully say that you disagree? initially and then if they obviously if the artist you know pushes back then you say okay sounds good you hands off kind of thing but how would you bring up the fact that like it's like hey creatively i think we should go in this direction oh i just tell them straight up especially if it's someone i know if it's someone i've just started working with i might suggest like i think these ad libs are a little are muddying things up i think we could probably mute a few of these but yeah, communication is so important, not just in a session. It's super important in a session, but just communication is just important throughout every single step of the process. Mm. If you can't communicate to someone that their timing is funky at this one part, you're probably not going to be able to communicate this mixed note that you have that's counter, that's a counterpoint to an artist's mm-hmm. mixed note, you know? Yeah. So it's just... If you're an engineer, even if you're a producer, you should have some type of um, fundamental background on how to communicate your your uh, your vision. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's really all about vision and ideas. What we're doing, uh, artists kind of get a pass because they're in their artist world. You mm-hmm. know, like I can only imagine what goes on through the mind of some of these artists. You know, <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, you know, yeah. I have like, a, I have like a, I feel like I'm like looking at the doorway, but I have no clue what goes on in the room, <laughs> you know? For sure. So, yeah, yeah. So they get a pass. If they want me to, if they tell me that they want the music to feel more silky, I'll be like, all right, let's make this thing feel silky. <laughs> sure. I'll try, I'll try to like make that silky vision in my head come through the speakers. <laughs> oh, that's the best bit. I totally know what you mean, man. It's too funny. That is too yeah. funny. Yeah. You hear some very interesting, uh, what, what, give me one of the best examples that you had that come to mind of like the strangest analogy you've heard. Be like, I want this to sound blank. They all run together, honestly. <laughs> I could probably pull up an email and be like, oh, that's that, that one's weird. Um, an example of a weird one. I don't have an example of like one weird one that comes to mind i do have an example of like i guess if you want to know like a pet peeve it's just like the the laundry list of notes oh it's sure just like, whoa it's one thing to be detail-oriented i think we're in the, the the industry of fine details you know like i said before it's not one big thing that makes or break a record it's a hundred little things thousand mm, little things that's that very interesting yeah it's all these little things that need to be just right and so we yes we are in the the business of fine details but uh when it comes to a mix it's volume notes are the the biggest faux pas for me or whatever because volumes like the grade school number one basic tool that every mix engineer has so it's like you're just telling me to turn something up 
that's probably not the right move. It probably needs to be compressed different or it needs to be EQ'd in a certain way so it pops to a speaker, you know? So it's you have to have a crystal ball as an engineer, <laughs> as a producer, because you have to take what that person's saying. You have to understand what you do as an engineer, as a producer, and they might want that thing louder, but really that means, oh, I need to compress it differently or EQ it differently yeah. or take less reverb on whatever it may mm. be. I need to... I need to get that element that they're making a note about to either pop less or pop more, pop more or pop less. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too funny, man. And like you mentioned, actually, you're not the first person to have mentioned the fact like the laundry list. So artists listening to this, definitely keep in mind the fact of like, first of all, be very specific with what you want. And second of all, producers and, and engineers typically don't enjoy the fact of when you send you know, bullet points A one through fifty six. You know, it's like, all right, hold on. I think we're we're missing something here. You know that. App, you yeah, know. on verse one, it's like yeah. if we're working on bullet points A through fifty six. We probably didn't get it get it right in the production phase, oh. post production phase. Polishing so you probably turn. sent this. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like you <laughs> you asked me to mix the record. You didn't ask me to then tune your vocals. If there's something I hear that I can do real quick, I'm always going to try to make the best sure. record. But um. It, it it goes into setting expectations when you take a gig mm. and it's like you're asking me to mix this i hope you did all the things that you wanted to get done to the record before mm. the mix phase because when you're mixing you're thinking about balancing and making things sound interesting mm-hmm. you don't want to have to worry about edits mm-hmm. in your mixing phase does that include like adding things like delay and reverb or is that more of a yeah. production phase I mean, yes, that is in the production phase, 100%. If you want that weekend vocal, you're probably not waiting to the mix phase. Mm. You know, while you're while the song's getting recorded, that verby, ambient vocal is probably already in the in the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so then it's like, did we go too far with it? Did we not go far enough? Where are we going here? Oh, that delay throw on that word might be tight. Let's try it. Let's see if they say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, it's such an interesting industry, and so many different factors make a like you said, so many different factors make a, a good song, man. And we're all dissecting it one day at a time. Well, yeah, one day at a time, one record at a time. Definitely, I hear things that like change my perspective on like what the contemporary, not like every day, but you hear something come out this summer, and then you're like, oh, is that where things are heading? Mm-hmm. Like, are more records going to sound like this? whether it be lyrical content, whether it be sonics, yada, yada. So it's a lot to, to think about when you're making your own stuff or what the market is like. And then people will tell you not even to worry about that. Because, <laughs> you know, make it, if you don't like it, at the end of the day, probably no one else is going to like it. Yeah. So, mm, ain't that the truth? Make what, like we said earlier, make what you want to hear. Ain't, make more of what you want to hear. That is so true, man. Now, another specific question before we wrap it up. We had mentioned, obviously, talk going on the pop route of, of vocal lining and stuff and, and layering vocals. How often are you seeing in like the more like rock, indie stuff, the layering of vocals? Uh, how often are you seeing rock, indie stuff these days? <laughs> this is the first question. I feel like it's definitely kind of been... That's it's, it's great. Still, it's still counter. around. Let's rephrase that around. to more like... Okay, let's talk about like... like pop rock i guess the better stuff like things like the james bays or the um you know that genre like what ed sheeran used to be the adele's 
like that stuff where mm-hmm. it's not like bubblegum pop, you know, hearing on Z100. You're, you're hearing more of like, I don't know, what, what genre would you call it? Pop rock? Piano rock? Yeah. Yeah. I just I would just probably call it pop, indie pop or pop alternative. Yeah, it's not yeah, bubblegum pop, one. but it's like pop, alter- pop alternative, alternative, I guess. Pop. Alternative pop. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, so I feel like the hip hop genre and the rap genre kind of have set the precedent for we're talking about like what contemporary stuff is. And you hear vocal stacks on that a lot. You hear like shit tons of vocals stacks of just like the hook. So it sounds super fat. Um, you know, multiple ad libs with different tones. Um, maybe they brought in that choir. So there's a vocal choir or something. So, Vocal production, modern vocal production is just a big part of contemporary music. You're yeah. gonna hear, you're yeah. gonna hear stacks on almost every yeah. record, almost every record. I'd say what you'll, are... you'll get that intimate one vocal record every now and then, mm. but you're gonna hear stacks. Mm-hmm. What is a uh, one do not with vocal stacking? Oh, you don't need seven different harmonies in one part. You know. It's like it goes it kind of goes into like music theory. Mm. There's only so many notes that are going to make a chord before the chord just starts to sound like (laughs) gray noise. Mush. Yeah. It's like there's only so many notes that are going to make up a chord. So uh, I always think three is a good number. That's like the Beatles thing. Mm. Four can get super cool because then you can add maybe a little tension note or something. Mm -hmm. Um. So watch your harmony notes. You don't need five, six, seven, eight, nine different harmony notes. IMO. Um, yeah, watch like the number two. I guess you don't need to waste your time recording eight different mm-hmm. doubles. Four is plenty. Two is probably even good enough, but I think four is where it's at. Um, do not. Don't print your auto tunes. Yeah, don't do that. Because then you're wait, stuck with wait what, for yeah, yeah. Wait for a producer to make that decision. <laughs> if they ask you to print the auto tune, oh, print the auto tune. Yeah, man. But don't don't be cavalier and print the auto tune. Oh shit! Yeah, it's like and then you now you now you start auto tuning the auto tune because you realize that there's a note that you you messed up and now you have to auto tune the auto tune note. Yeah, and it's never going to sound right. It's no. always going to sound computery. Or yeah, whatever. so yeah, true, man. Like, but then 99.9% of the time, the, the audience is never going to notice that. But it's we who notice that stuff, man. What, what, what have you ever heard a typical music, music listener be like, yeah, this vocal sound, that note sounded a little computery. I don't know about that song. You know what I mean? Not many <laughs> listeners these days, honestly. Definitely not many listeners like under the age of like, 25 or whatever sure. like yeah, it's, it's like so you know you you're gonna sound like a old head or whatever you want to call it if you're like hmm did they use auto-tune yeah you know it's like yeah of course they use auto-tune <laughs> dude like there's auto-tune everywhere in the world right oh uh, that's too funny it's the coolest thing haven't you heard it yeah, yeah. sliced bread bro best yeah, piece of sliced bread oh it's too funny man well i really appreciate you taking the time i like to wrap up all these chats with my the, my favorite question uh, what is one thing that you currently know now in your music career that you wish you knew when you first started? Oof. Oof. One thing I wish I knew now. 
that I wish I knew when I first started. Um, I wish I talked to clients this with the same confidence or whatever mm. I talk to them now, but that, that comes with years of eating shit mm-hmm. or not even eating shit, but just like years of like learning yeah being a student you know so i wish i had i wish i just had the knowledge that uh i it's a terrible way to answer your question but yeah i wish i wish i knew everything that i knew now when i first started (laughs) (gasps) you know what though to some degree i think that could be summed up with try to learn as much as you can you know yeah uh, you know because that's what it really is you the knowledge you have is you just learn learning experience and and don't think you know everything but like start keep learning and and that experience and confidence will come yeah uh i you know what i'd say i'd be like don't hesitate to dive into that manual don't mm-hmm. hesitate to hit the google when you don't know something yeah man i have a, you know? I have a degree at youtube university man you know how much i yeah. learned off of that yeah man it's like there's there we're in like an information age sure and there's so much information out there so if like you're looking for an answer the answer you're looking for is out there yeah absolutely yeah Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you. If you get to hang out for 30 more seconds, I want to say a big thank you to every single person that watched this or listened to this, however you ended up viewing or enjoying consuming the content. appreciate you very much. Definitely go check out AJ's stuff, uh, and his links will all be in the description. And best way to support the channel is checking out my own original music. Consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to. Have a wonderful day. God bless, and peace out. God bless. Thank you, Jacob, for the uh, the platform. Thank you. Hey, man, my pleasure. Thank you.